through the written word and the spoken word, may we come to know your living word, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. I am so fortunate I had the pleasure of spending three months serving a parish in Hawaii last year. I know, get it out. It was a hardship. It's okay, I paid the price on Wednesday when I was driving from the airport here, so it, it comes with a cost. One of the highlights of my extended stay there included a trip to the island of Ni'ihau, which is a small private island in the westernmost inhabited islands of all the Hawaiian chain. It's nearly 18 miles west of Kauai, where I was serving. And the boat ride took about three hours, and let me tell you, it was bumpy. I am luckily someone who has grown up going on the water. Many of my new friends did not fare that well on that crossing. The prevailing winds were swirling about, the trade winds were wild that day, and I'm sure that partially contributed to the bumpy ride, but we can't forget that this is way out in the Pacific Ocean, and the depths of the ocean that we crossed to get there were as deep as 4,000 feet for most of the ride, about three quarters of a mile deep. There are not very many tour boat companies that travel that distance. In fact, there may even be only one at the time. And most of the people who travel there by boat are ferrying goods between Niihau and Kauai which is the only consistent way that this family-owned island of indigenous native Hawaiian speakers receive products they don't produce locally on their own. And visitors are not allowed as part of the land gift treaty from the very beginning as part of Hawaii's statehood. Now, I like to snorkel, and that's why I went, pristine waters to snorkel, with which to snorkel, in which to snorkel. So I'm, but I'm not a diver. I don't go down, like I stay on top. And so, as I was crossing that, I was thinking about those 4,000 uh, 4, uh, feet in depth, and it was literally not, I was not able to fathom it. And besides catching a National Geographic documentary here and there, I am not ever gonna find out what's down there. I don't know what lives, I mean, I know, like, from a science standpoint, but there's some weird things that live down there that we haven't seen very often. And so, I was trying to imagine as we were crossing, what was going on below the boat? Lots of life, right? Lots of life, lots of signs of health. The reef there is very healthy. And so as we crossed the channel to explore the untouched coastline of this mysterious island where visitors cannot interact with the locals, I was left wondering. I was wondering about the vastness of that life that I couldn't see and that I would never be able to explore on my own. I was also, if I'm honest, a little bit nervous. We were really far away from land, and it was really deep and really bumpy. And I had a lot of time to think while I was on that trip. And I had some of those same feelings of uncertainty and, oh, a lack of control, maybe, for what I can't see or know or understand creep back in as I sat and prayed with our readings for this week. I do want to take a moment and remind you that this week we were supposed to gather on Wednesday to celebrate Jesus' presentation in the temple, or Candlemas, but that was Wednesday and, you know, weather. So we didn't get a chance to gather to celebrate, but the presentation of Jesus to God in the temple 
just as a way of teaching, is a, a customary response to the birth of a firstborn son. This is a particularly holy spot in birth order for Jewish families, and I kind of like that, because I also am the eldest child. Well, I would have loved to have been presented in the temple, but here we are. We would have gathered for this feast day, and we would have read the prayer of Simeon that we call the Nunc Dimittis, the prayer that Simeon prayed when he saw Jesus in the temple as a baby and blessed him and his family. How did he know? How did the mystery of this child become revealed to him? It was so important to him that he knew that Jesus was the Savior of the world. Let's, let's be real. I can scarcely recognize people that I know while they have masks on. People I've known for years. So how did Simeon and Anna right after Simeon recognize when they saw this baby Jesus that it was the long-awaited Messiah? They weren't restrained in their response to meeting this baby and his family. Maybe they too were nervous or wondering. But they let their wondering and their nervousness not stand in the way of their witness to how we mark this feast day 40 days after we observed the Holy Nativity, the day of Christ's birth. I wonder what would have happened if they'd been quiet and just thought it to themselves. I wonder if they hadn't grabbed that astonishing opportunity to profess this witness. I wonder how things might have been different for Jesus in his ministry or for the early church that was ordained and grew out of that ministry and eventually for us as inheritors of the story. I also wonder whether I would have even known that was Jesus. I don't really wonder. I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have. But I wonder, would I? Maybe it would have been me who would have had the chance to see this adorable 40-day-old baby and realized who this was and made a public witness, noticing this family returning to the temple after their extended absence. And would I have said anything if I noticed? Wrestling with questions and being surprised by things that we don't know anything about or that we haven't yet encountered is all part of our journey of faith. Like the abyss in the deep waters of Hawaii and like Jesus telling Simon, to put into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch after a long night of nothingness. The deep water imagery reminds us the unknown can be encountered if we stick around and we stay in the spaces and we let the questions have time to linger. We let there be space for searching in the ways that we have yet to meet Jesus. Simeon and Anna in the temple, Simon and his fishing team on the water, the people of Corinth reading the letter written to them from Paul, these all have something in common. They're stories of being a witness and joining in ministry with Jesus, and that being transformative. So, I am not a person who likes to sit and wonder. I like to get busy. Anybody relate to that? I like to get busy. I'm a person of action. I love to be involved in projects and planning sessions. There is a problem to solve or a solution to be found. I sure hope you call me. I would love to help you with that. You need to prepare to have a response because there's a crisis. Oh, I'm there. 
You want to reimagine a system, or you want to work on visioning, or your mission in your organization? I would love to be invited in to help you. I love that kind of work. In our Exploring Discipleship Formation class that I've been leading, we have broken up our topics of conversation into three big categories of what it means to be a disciple. The category of prayer, the category of scripture, making time to study it and learn about who God is from it, and then finally action. And if I'm being completely honest, and I have been with the class that I'm teaching, if I'm being completely honest, action is where my heart lies. Going and doing work as the kingdom of God really gets my juices flowing. There is something so tangible and satisfying about tackling work that results in an observable outcome. This really rings my bells. So I have to fight the urge to always respond to the world first by getting out there and doing something to fix it, creating a solution, or just being part of the process. Sometimes, oh, check that, lots of times, a more healthy mindset is to stop and listen and observe, to see what you see and reflect on what you see first, rather than responding and getting busy first. I need to be one of the people who gathers to listen to Jesus as he teaches beside the lake of Genesaret for the sake of drawing closer to God in the experience. We don't know what those people did after they heard Jesus. That's not the point of the story. When I'm frustrated with a situation and I think I've tried just about anything I can think of to deal with it, fix it, solve it, I have to stop and listen for that quiet word to be revealed from God before I try again to do the next right thing. And I need to use my gifts not just because they ring my bells, not just for my own benefit, but for the spread of the good news when the opportunity presents itself. There are so many unknowns all around us. The pandemic's next surprise, we don't know, the way that grief that we've all experienced at some level over these last two years has yet to work itself out in our lives, and the ways that God is calling us into life-giving, loving, and liberating relationship with Jesus and with one another. We simply don't know what we don't know. But we do know this, that God is there. God is in the deep abyss. God is in our frustrations when we aren't making progress or our challenges are overwhelming in our daily lives. God is there. God is there in the midst of the encounters that we have with each other, even when we don't pay attention. God is there and inviting us to be like Simon and put down our nets in new ways to witness to who God is for us and inviting others to experience God along with us. That's the gift of liberty and abundant life with God that we prayed for just a few minutes ago in our opening collect. May we use that gift of liberty to draw us closer to God and to share God with the world. The work of our baptism that we have been created for, born out of the love of God, and discovered in the ways in which we stop and let it be revealed.